Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is the importance of faith. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Roland. The program is called Shedding Shackles. I want to begin by reading you a little something that I have just written, and it's in my new book called It's Sunny and Warm in the Kingdom of God. That's it. It's Sunny and Warm in the Kingdom of God. And I would like to read something to you from uh, Chapter 15, The Ideal Life. And now I'm reading from my book, The Ideal Life of the spiritual man or woman, is sustained by God. The bond of faith keeps us attached, and all good comes from God through our continued attachment. We receive realizations, motivation, delight, insights, and things to move toward. We also receive support. The truth is sustained through faith and realizations ever more deep. So, do you understand that faith is a very important thing? You remember Christ often would say, O ye of little faith. Or if he encountered someone who had faith, he marveled. Faith is so important. Faith in what you know in your heart. Do you remember that it says in the Bible, God said the day will come when people won't say, Know ye the Lord. For he said, I will write my laws into their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Something like that. Well, when you have faith in what you know in your heart, you're having faith, do you realize that when you were a little child, a long time ago when you were a little child, you had a very strong sense of conscience, didn't you, when you were a little child? And do you know what that conscience is? Do you know what it is? You have no idea. It's your lodestar. It represents your link to your creator. It's your closest link to God. In your heart, you know what's right. When you stray from it, then when you were a little child, you felt conscience. When you hated your mommy or you got angry at your daddy, or you said something mean to your brother and sister. You immediately knew it was wrong, didn't you, or when you told a lie. When you told a lie, you knew it was wrong and you felt bad. Well, that was your conscience. Now, how about your conscience now? You rarely feel it anymore. If you can hate people, if you can get become resentful toward people, if someone's driving a little slow in front of you, if you get up right behind them and flash your bright lights at them, and then afterwards you feel nothing, then you are very far from God, my friend. Very, very far. It's very sad. But that's the truth. Now, when you were a little child, you were closer to God than you've ever been since. Now, how did it come to pass that you fell so far away from God? Well, you've been hardened jaded, made callous. And how did that happen? Was that your plan from the beginning to become cynical, to 
resent all men and be angry at your dad and be impatient with your children and secretly judge other people constantly. Did you really want to become that way? No, you did not. How did it happen? Well, it happened because you reacted to and responded to the temptation that was operating through other people. And how did temptation get into them? It got into them when they reacted and responded to the temptation in other people. Do you understand? So it's a chain gang, a miserable chain gang of, of suffering. And now you're a part of it. And then what do you do? You pass it on to your kids when you're impatient with them, for example. So it changed you, didn't it? So you're responding to other people with resentment, with judgment, with anger, see, or re responding to temptation with excitement. It changed you. So now you're no longer as you were, and you hardly even know your conscience anymore, except maybe a vague anxiety from time to time. And then if you keep, oh, so busy, and you smoke your marijuana, and you drink your alcohol, and you take your pills, and you keep so busy, constantly busy, and constantly texting, and constantly talking, why, you can keep so busy that there's not even a, a nanosecond for your conscience to touch you. So where does the life from God come? It comes from within. It comes in realizations and in insights and in joy and in peace of mind. All of these wonderful things that come from God when you have a bond of faith with him and when you are close to your conscience. So you have to refine your conscience. You have to refine it. I'll give you another hint. The spiritual person who has gotten in touch with their conscience and realized some things that they've done wrong, like they hated their mom, they hated their dad, they hated their brother, they were phony with people, they resented their husband, you know, that sort of thing. They were impatient with their kids. When they have gotten in touch with their conscience again and realize deeply that those things are not good and they've been sorry for it, and they've reconciled with their conscience. Yes, it's painful. And yes, there's some tears. And yes, some sobbing. In the Bible, it's called repentance, isn't it? I was listening this morning to the old trailblazer. And the old trailblazer was talking about church today. And he said that what's not being preached is repentance. And so repentance is getting back in touch with your conscience. Remember Christ said, unless you become as a little child. Do you realize that if you could become like you were when you were a little child and you were mean or you resented somebody and then, then you felt bad? And then if you just stayed with that and you didn't reach for a pill and you didn't reach for marijuana and you didn't reach for alcohol and you didn't reach for the phone and you didn't reach for anything, you just bore a little bit of pain of your conscience just as when you were a little child. If you stayed with that, it would lead to seeing your error and being sorry for it, and then being sorry for it, regretting it, and then experiencing a sad glad, sad to see you're wrong, but glad to see it. And then, after that, peace with God. 
So now what you must do is find a way to get close to your conscience. If you could become as a little child again, so that when you did something that wasn't quite right, you immediately felt it strongly within. Wouldn't that be sweet? And that, my friend, would be the beginning of your new life. I'm a man with a microphone, so I, people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. I'm just a person, and I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's good. Think of this program as an infomercial from God. You've heard of infomercials. You hear them quite a bit, like Saturday morning or overnight. When you hear an infomercial, you may only hear it once. And if the information is very important to you and interesting to you and relevant to you, then you want to write down whatever they tell you, the, the website to go to and so on and so forth. So this is an infomercial from God. That's right. An infomercial from God. And so I'm only on usually just a couple of times a week on most stations. So you may not hear this program again. This may be the only time you hear it, especially if you're driving through the area, you're a tourist, you're visiting, you may never hear this program again, so you have to write down the website address. You have to, because if you don't, later you'll say, oh my God, he, what he said was so true about how I resent my wife and I resent my husband and, and I'm, I've become a slave to sin. I can't say no. And I want to hear more what he has to say. What was his name? What was his website? So remember, this is an infomercial from God. Make sure you listen carefully and write down the web address so you can find me again. But look. Let's suppose that, oh, I, I never finished the thought. Let's suppose that you stuck with it all the way. Christ said, blessed are they who endure, who persist to the end. So you have to stay with it. You can't feel your conscience a little bit and then rush off and then brush it all under the carpet. No, you stay with it and let God deal with you. Just present yourself to your conscience and let him deal with you. And if you stay with that all the way, then it'll take you through repentance and it'll take you to closeness to him and reconciliation with him. And then, you know what? Then, after a series of those, probably many of them over the days, but it's never more than you can bear, you gradually are purged of all the things that you've ever done wrong and you realize that he forgives you. That's another realization. Remember, I talked about the life from God of realizations and joy and insights and delight and things to move toward. Another one is, of course, realizing that he forgave you. And then you start anew. It's like a new life. It's like when you were a little child and you jumped from bed in the morning and ran across the carpet barefoot for a day of discovery. 
And then along the way during that day, maybe you got mad at your mommy. She told you to clean up your room and you got mad at, mad at her. And then you felt bad. And then you went to mommy and said, I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry, I was angry at you. And mommy said, it's all right. Now you wipe the tears from your eyes and joy returns and you rush off to more adventures. Well, that's the way life has to be now. But you know what? If you went through the repentance, whatever God has for you in that regard, if you go through it, then you know what you feel after that. Then you don't feel conscience anymore. Unless you're just about to do something that's not quite right, then you'll feel something restraining you. He restrains you. But otherwise, you don't feel anything. And anxiety is gone. And your dark moods and fits of rage are gone. And life is just like when you were a little child, one adventure after another. If you have a Bible-related question you'd like Roland to answer, call the listener call-in line at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851. Leave your name, the city you're calling from, and your question, and Roland may answer your question on the air. Thanks for listening. The only life that you know now is a fallen life. The fallen life. Now, oh, let me continue reading here. And it's in my new book called It's Sunny and Warm in the Kingdom of God. That's it. I'm continuing talking about the spiritual man or woman. You realize something and see it deeply, which is, of course, from God. I'm adding something in here. It's a realization. It's wordless. It's from within. Then you go about your business, perhaps glimpsing more aspects of the realization, but soon you have another realization. And the first one is no longer present or foremost in the mind, but you don't try to hang on to it because you have faith that when needed or when it's good for you to know, then you'll see it again, next time even deeper. So that's it. You realize something, you sigh a sigh of relief, it brings joy, and then you go about your life, and you kind of forget it, and then later it comes back again, even deeper than the first time. More realization, deeper insights. But now I'm going to contrast it with the kind of life that you know now. So if you find yourself compulsively thinking or remembering something, or you find yourself doing the same old thing over and over even when it is destructive, you can be sure that it was somehow implanted from outside and now craves reinforcement in order to continue. It's a life. It's a sort of a life. Even as an animal is compulsively attracted to something in the environment, but it certainly is not a life for a truly human person, nor can it bring any joy. This newly externally acquired life requires constant 
reinforcement or it perishes. Well, that's what you're doing now, constantly reinforcing, going back to your, to your phony friends and have them tell you that you're okay the way you are to sustain this false life. Now I continue reading from my new book, which is called It's Sunny and Warm in the Kingdom of God. I'm continuing to read here. Though it is not really your life, it is compelling. Just as there are acquired tastes, so there is an acquired life. It revolves around trauma and implanted notions and behaviors that take on a life of their own. Another factor is that there is a sort of dissociation that occurs. The behaviors become dissociated from the control of the soul. It becomes like a runaway train careening along and out of control. Reestablishment of control over your life is not a question of struggling and pitting energy against the behaviors, nor is it swapping behaviors. Instead, it is leaning toward God and attaching to Him. Then the soul will have power over the body as the inner light begins to have a calming effect and the body learns to obey the soul and what the soul stands for. The light shines through the soul and when some aberrant behavior is seen in the light, it is exposed. There's power in simply observing so that something is exposed that feels inhibited in the light and now the soul with a right stance, one of observer, stands in silent disagreement. So there you have it. I, I like this chapter, The Ideal Life. And I think I've made some good points. Please remember that I have many resources at the website. And you could certainly find out about this book. It'll be available at Amazon.com in both Kindle and quality paperback. It's sunny and warm in the kingdom of God. And I have many other books. I have, I think, about 15 of them on Amazon. They're very good. You should listen to this program again. Go to the website and listen to it again. Did you grasp the simplicity of it? When you become as a little child, when you're close to your conscience, you're close to God. When you believe what your conscience is telling you, and don't doubt it, that's faith. And when you persist with that, then it leads to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. My name is Gregory. I live in San Leandro, California. My question is this. Why didn't Pilate let Jesus go when he knew better that he was not guilty and just let him go? God bless. Thanks, Greg. That's a good question. Why did Pilate not let Jesus go? He could have, you know. You know why? Because he was a man of the world. He was subject to the world. He was subject to the world and the worldly kingdom. And he had no ground of being within. He was not subject to God. He was not subject to conscience. He was aware of conscience. He was aware of truth. But his loyalty was to the world. And so he could not refuse because 
the very basis of his existence depended upon his position, the approval of the people in Rome, public opinion, you see. How many of us, how many people have become subject to the world? Practically everyone. You can't say no to whatever they ask you to do, whatever they tell you to do. See, they begin by suggesting and then recommending and then mandating and then enforcing. See? So since the time you were a little child, your parents made you subject to the world. They put you in school. They made you subject to teachers and to coaches and to other authorities and to the medical establishment. They couldn't say no. They couldn't say no. And as time went by, you also became subject to the world, didn't you? First it was the peer group. Yes, the peer group. You wanted their approval. You wanted to be part of the group. And then there were the teachers. You wanted their approval. And then bosses. You wanted their approval. And so he was a corporate man. That's what Pilate was. He was a corporate man. And so he was subject. Haven't you ever wondered when you look at, at the decisions made and you say, how could they do that? How could they be so greedy? How could they lie? Because they're corporate men and corporate women. They're subject. So whatever you become, see, you're either subject to God or you're subject to the world. He couldn't say no. He had to go along. He was not free to say no. Because he couldn't let go of See, how can I say this? When you are subject to, not God, but something else, then it has you to do things, and then it rewards you. And each of those rewards, each perk, each benefit that you derive from defecting from God and obeying and not shaming the worldly authorities that you're subject to. Each of the things that you take from them, the money, the perks, the power, the position, the approval, the support, the, whatever it is, it also enslaves you. See, the transfer is from, remember Christ said, the prince of this world is coming. Well, you know who the prince of this world is, don't you? It's the devil. That's right. And people become conscripted when they step over the line, when they commit a forbidden act, when they hate other people, when they resent other people, when, they're, when they want to be ambitious, when they want something too much, then he is there. And he suggests a way of getting it, 
And when you step over the line, whether you get it or you don't get it, either way you've stepped over the line. You become subject to him and then subject to those through whom he is operating. And then they give when whatever they give you, you become subject to it too. It's like transference. It's like hypnotic transference. And then it then has the power to, to control you. The power goes from them and they give a little bit of power to it. So the food, the money, the perk, the approval, the words, whatever it is that they give you and you take, see, you set aside conscience to take from them, then you become subject to it. So he was subject to to all of those things. He couldn't say no to public opinion. He couldn't say no to his perks, to the power that he had, to the position that he had, etc., etc., etc. So I think you understand. So he was not subject to God. He was subject to the world like just about everybody else is. Refind the conscience that you once were close to when you were a little child. Refind what you know in your heart is right. All the good things you've ever wanted will come as a result of refinding your Creator and believing in what your conscience has to tell you. Your conscience is very quiet and very wordless. Didn't Christ say that the kingdom of God begins like a mustard seed and it grows to be a mighty tree? The kingdom of God for you begins in a little moment when you're thinking of something mean to say to your wife or to your husband. There's your conscience. It very quietly, very gently makes you aware that what you are about to do is not right. And instead of doing it, you don't do it. You stand back. You don't do it. You're not phony with somebody. You're not impatient with your child. Or if you were impatient with your child, then you say, I'm sorry, I was impatient. And that's the beginning of the kingdom of God for you. Begins as a very tiny, tiny, gentle thing known as what you know in your heart, your conscience. And it can grow to become the mighty, mighty tree with wonderful benefits and fruit of all kinds. You have to decide, are you going to be a slave of the world? Or are you going to be free? Christ sets you free. Now you can't say no. If you get close to your conscience, you'll be able to say no to what's not right. And say yes to your Creator. And yes to Jesus. And yes to truth. And yes to kindness, and yes to mercy, and yes to forgiveness, and not hating people. Yes to all the good, and no to what is not good. Until next time, Lord willing, and the Greek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com.
You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is SheddingShackles.com. Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.